These stories sometimes contain mature content and language for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. That's a big change when you start in the industry. You suddenly become almost another person. You have to listen to so many things. People will tell you things and say things that you otherwise would never hear in any other environment. And you have to really look at yourself and and know what your abilities are and what, you know, it's a business. You have to know what you have to offer and what your clients are looking for and what best serves them and how best you're going to make money. Welcome to Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. Each episode of this podcast digs deep into one person's story of change to reveal a little bit about how and why we make big changes in our lives and what can be learned from these experiences. I'm your host, Kelly Styring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm, a consultancy that helps companies learn from their customers and consumers through deep conversation and connection, often told as stories like the one you'll hear on this podcast. So let's get the conversation started. Our conversation today is with a generous contributor who prefers to remain anonymous. We'll discuss her conscious decision to become an adult entertainer against all cliches and stereotypes. I hope you enjoy this provocative and empowering discussion as much as I did. When we say dancing, Uh we don't mean ballet. So how do we actually, (laughs) what terminology is the right terminology? Um, I like to think of myself as an entertainer. Okay. An adult entertainer, because okay. obviously there's there's people that entertain, but um, certainly what I do is a very adult content. Have you given any thought to the headline? If you were going to write a headline for your story, what do you think it would be? Oh, my God. You can have your cake and eat it, too. Excellent. I can't wait to hear more about that cake. So <laughs> <laughs> all sorts of cake. Why don't you start off by defining for me what you mean by adult entertainer? I think that could be construed in many different ways. So if you could kind of give me the range of what you think that is, that'd be excellent. To me, an adult entertainer is someone that can captivate an audience in a very sensual way, an adult way, and create a form of intimacy as entertainment. I get paid for my time to entertain. I, I can't, it's hard to, to describe it in one sentence, but I don't find the word stripper as bad, but that's also, you know, another way to describe it. I very seductively remove my clothing and connect in a way with an audience. Talk to me a little bit about this sense of intimacy. How do you know when you're there? Well, there's a lot of different cues that you can pick up on by someone's body language. Um, You know, and I've learned over time as I've been doing this now for over 10 years, just eye contact and body language of someone that just, you can tell when someone's connecting with you from across the room. In fact, someone will walk in the door of wherever I'm working and I kind of just can get a sense of whether or not they might have an interest in sparking up a conversation with me. Of course, that's not something that, you know, happens right away when you become an entertainer, but it's a skill that I've acquired as I've spent more time in the industry and just learned about 
the type of person that finds me interesting. Of course, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. There's a, a type of person that likes my company and tends to pay for it, but I've sort of been able to hone in on just certain little cues. Tell me a little bit more about the cues that you get that you know this is a person that wants to talk to you. Of course, eye contact is a big one. You know, if I'm walking through the club that I'm working in and I can just see people looking over at me and there's just a look that you get from a man that's interested or sometimes women, there's women that come in and also have an interest in spending time with an entertainer, you know, and even just saying hello to someone and seeing their response and, you know, whether or not they turn their body towards you, you can just feel their energy. Some people just put off a type of energy that's intoxicating. And I pick up on that. And if I feel that with that person, then I just continue with it. And, you know, more often than not, it, it ends up becoming private dances, which is how I make my money. And those are very intimate and you know, that's, that's what I do. I <laughs> you said that it's intoxicating. Is it a two-way street? I believe so. I think that for me, I'm a very visual, hypersexual person. That's just who I am. And I think that I can pick up on other people that are the same way or that are also maybe craving some type of intimacy. I, I don't know. It's, that's hard to explain too. I can just pick up on that. So can you describe for me a little bit more about what you mean by hypersexual? So does it have to do with intensity or variety or just like, what does it mean to you? I guess All of it. I, I guess I'm, I consider myself a sexual person because of my behavior. Always been very flirtatious and I'm not going to lie. I have entirely used my physical features to <laughs> get certain things in my life. Not, nothing like extreme, but I've always been very flirtatious and I've always just had a huge appetite sexually. And not to say that being with one person wasn't enough, but there was also something that I discovered that I could sort of add to that and get more satisfaction. It's very um, interesting to me because I think Many of the cliches in society and in the media would not suggest that this was an enjoyable job. Yes. Oh, and that's, it's hard for me to have to live with that because I don't consider myself a stereotype. And there are other women that I know that are not the stereotype entertainer. And I can use the example of the fact that I've been married for 18 years. I have two children actually live a pretty vanilla life with the exception of when I go to work, I become this other person and I can use this skill, this part of my personality, if you will, to make a living. And it's unusual, but I, you know, I'm not the stereotypical, like down on their luck and have baby daddies and a drug problem and all this drama that unfortunately strippers have you know, the preconceived notion that they're kind of just, <laughs> you know, maybe down on their luck and either they're trying to pay for college or, you know, they got daddy issues and whatnot. It makes for good TV, but it may yes. not represent yes. 
you know, where you are in particular, and I'm very interested in, in where <laughs> you are. So let's go back in time to how this journey began for you. You know, I think that growing up, I, I didn't have a dad in my life. I was with my mom and my mom had the most incredible way of getting men in her life to do anything for her. And she'd been married four times. So I had lived with four different stepdads <laughs> growing up. And, um, you know, in between the marriages, there was always these men that would do anything for her. And I watched this dynamic that she had with these men. And I knew that, you know, when I someday wanted to have a relationship, I didn't want to be like that. I wanted to have the true love and the fairy tale that the one person I would fall in love with and spend the rest of my life with. I didn't want to have what she had. But what I did recognize was that she had an ability to use her sexuality to get what she wanted. And so, you know, the first thing I did when I was old enough was I met an older man that can take care of me. And I married him when I turned 18 years old, which is crazy. But I knew that that was what I needed and what I wanted. But I also feel like I had the ability to do something more with what I learned from my mom, except I didn't want to be a homewrecker and marry multiple men and take their money. And my mom has done well for herself. And I, I hate to, to make her sound like she's not a good person, but she's sort of used men throughout her life to benefit herself financially. And I somehow realized as I got older that there was a way for me to actually do that but in a way that's not hurtful and in a way that's, I guess, maybe more moral, which is kind of what I do as an entertainer. I go to an establishment where somebody wants to feel close to a beautiful woman and feel intimate with them. And I can use the things that maybe I learned from my mom <laughs> to benefit myself financially. But yet at the end of the day, I think that everyone walks away happy. Sounds like a very emotionally well-adjusted moment for you. I think, yes, I, it took me a while to kind of recognize that because, you know, I'm also a hypersexual person and suddenly getting married at 18 years old and being with the same person was somehow not enough for me. And I, I wanted for a long time to find sort of an alternative lifestyle, but still be faithful in my marriage and be a good wife. My husband is actually rather conservative, very quiet and reserved, and has a job that is also very important. <laughs> um, and I would never want to do anything to compromise what he does for a living. So I have this great person, this great supportive man in my life that takes really good care of me. But I also had this other need to sort of like do something more. And, you know, I finally at 26 actually was the first time that I started dancing and it was kind of crazy how it, how it all sort of came to be. <laughs> I had met a woman right after I had my daughter when I was 26 and she happened to have a child the same age. We spent a lot of time together and I actually realized that she had a pole in her house, a stripper pole, which, you know, like, 10 or so years ago was a little bit less common. Now it's kind of like, 
you know, oh, pole fitness, like this was not a thing back then. And I came over to her house and we would just spend time playing around in her pole. And that actually led to a sexual relationship with her, which was completely like out of left field, but something that I discovered about myself that I had no idea was going to happen. And with all of that, I just realized that I, I really liked the dancing. I loved the sensuality. I loved being with this woman. And surprisingly, my husband was comfortable with it. And next thing I know, I bought a pole. And that was the first of many. I've had many poles in my house over the years now. But I bought a pole online. And I started dancing at home. My husband would be at work. And I would just spend hours dancing. And it just... I don't know, it, it made me feel so good about myself. And I, I didn't feel as confident as I used to prior to having children. I, you know, my body changed and I was older and um, it sort of gave me this kind of interesting thing to do that made me feel good about myself. And that cascaded into more things, just realizing that actually maybe I could do more with this. I don't want to just do this in my bedroom by myself. And ultimately that encouraged me to think about what if I do it in front of other people and wait, I could make money doing this. (laughs) Talk to me about the, do you remember the first night or day or afternoon or morning do you remember Absolutely. do you remember the do you remember the first time that you walked into a club and and performed yes well i can tell you the first time that i ever went to a strip club and saw dancers i was just in awe when i turned 21 the first thing i did was i went to the acropolis and i just died the women were so beautiful and i remember thinking to myself god i wish that i could just harness this the sexuality and the intensity and they, they were so seductive and so beautiful. And at the time I never thought that I could be that person, but, you know, fast forward to having my own pole and starting to feel like maybe I could, you know, play a part in this somehow. And um, the first time I auditioned, um, you know, it was, it was definitely uh, nerve wracking. I mean, there's suddenly like, 40, 50 people in a dark, crowded room, and they all had an expectation of something that I wasn't really sure what there was. There's no, there's no way to kind of just step into this world and know what to do. How how did you know what to do? You know, it, it came with just spending more time trying it. I mean, it's pretty obvious now as someone who's seasoned to see who's a new girl because you, you watch them on stage and you can tell that they're nervous and they're uncomfortable and they're, they're trying to emulate what they see the other girls do. And sometimes it doesn't work, but you know, at the end of the day, when you realize why people come to these establishments, they just want, like I said before, the intimacy and to connect with a beautiful woman. And so even if they're not necessarily any good at performing on stage or doing pole tricks, they still do all right. And it's usually enough to keep them wanting to come back and to participate. And some, some don't, I mean, it's, 
it's overwhelming to be completely exposed. And sometimes people aren't very nice. There's some women that aren't very nice, but you take the good with the bad. And so I remember reading a few years ago, Diablo Cody's book, and she talked about the mechanics of the business. So Mm -hmm. the time that you're on the pole isn't really when you're making the money. No. And so talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you work the, the entirety of the business, so to speak. Well, at this point, it's, it's completely different than when I started. Of course, all I knew was to do some cool pole tricks, which is fun because you can catch some attention that way. If you can do some real badass athletic stuff, people notice but it doesn't pay you anything, maybe 10 or $15. And that's, <laughs> that's maybe enough to pay the club, the fees to be there. Um, but you know, that's, that's part of being on the stage is, is sort of your advertisement to what you have to offer. If you can seduce somebody from across the room to come up to you and maybe start a conversation and that then can lead to maybe further conversation. And then, whether or not they want to spend time with you in a private room or a VIP or whatever you want to call it. Everywhere's a little different, but you make your money spending one-on-one time just being close to someone that's craving intimacy from what they perceive as a beautiful woman. Not everyone thinks I'm beautiful. So the ones that do, you know, they're willing to pay money for me to be close to them. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty close. I, I will say that it takes a certain personality to get that kind of close. You have to be willing to get on top of somebody. I mean, and there's no sexual acts going on, but it's pretty, it's pretty intense and it can be quite intimidating if you've especially never done it before. Getting the people to spend that intimate close time with me and feeling that connection, whether it just be eye contact or breathing on their neck or sitting on their lap and just being close to my body because they appreciate the shape of it, or they like my boobs or my tattoos or (laughs) some guys like vaginas and they like them in their face. And, you know, there's so many different tastes and maybe they don't get that you know, from their relationship, but they want to feel that for a few minutes. How does that appreciation feel at the end of the night? Do you feel exhilarated? Do you feel tired? How does it feel when you're finished? Oh my God. There's so many, so many emotions. Like as a whole, when I look at my career as a dancer, I want to say that it's, it's been a positive thing for me as someone who is, I'm very self-conscious of how I look. I, I actually have a deformed rib cage. And so my boobs are not like ideal. And I've always been very like aware of that. And it's funny that the longer that I've been a dancer and the more that I've had men compliment my boobs, like I've, I've actually felt so much better about my own body and just my own confidence in that regard. You know, it's, it's helped me feel a lot better about myself in general and and also just my sexuality and, and knowing what I want and knowing what I don't want. I've been put in situations where people have been very unkind and 
I've also been in situations where I've actually been assaulted by men who seem to think that maybe the intimacy was an invitation to do something more. And unfortunately, that's that's kind of a risk of the job when you are with a stranger in a dark space and you're very close to them. Sometimes they will take initiatives that are completely unwanted. Um, how, how do you handle that situation? You know, it's it's a case-by-case basis. I do the best I can just trying to be very self-aware. You know, sometimes there are people that are just so overwhelmed. I mean, you can just tell that they're shaking and just the look in their eye, like they're, they're going to do something. Or if they're really intoxicated, alcohol makes people act really stupid. But, you know, there's people that have PTSD and they're incredibly good at talking to you. And as soon as you are in a vulnerable state, it's like Jekyll and Hyde. I've been choked. I've been held down against my will. I've been touched in ways that would literally send someone to jail, but my word against theirs, you know, in a strip club is pretty hard to prove if I was to pursue it. It's interesting Um, though, because earlier you described them with so much empathy and yet the things that you're describing are, they're fairly horrifying. How do you reconcile that? So that's, but that's also just a small piece of the bigger picture. I mean, there's so many times where for me and for them, it's such an enjoyable experience that like the risk of the negative things that happen, it just almost evens out for me. And you know, there's, there's different places that I can dance. I don't have to be at any particular establishment and some are better than others. Some have cameras, some have security that will walk by and make sure that guys aren't trying to take advantage of you. And I mean, I've done it for so long now that I've learned so many ways to protect myself better that more often than not, it's, it's an enjoyable experience and it's a lucrative experience. I've been making more money now at 36 than I did when I started, you know, when I was 26, which is crazy. It's amazing. I have, I'm just in awe. Can you describe the experiences that you've had with your family and their reactions to what you're doing? Oh, well, you know, my family, unfortunately, was never a healthy family to be with. I think that growing up with my mom and her unhealthy relationships with men was never good. And my dad was absent from most of my life. So I guess if there's one stripper stereotype I have, I guess I have daddy issues. Um, Fair enough. You know, my, my father, um, it's funny. He frequents establishments, you know, like strip clubs and he's happy to go and spend time in them. But when he learned that I was a dancer, he was very disappointed. Um, I actually didn't know my father until I was in my twenties and it was because I reached out to him just wanting to know who he was. I grew up thinking that he was an evil person and that was, you know, just hearing from what my mom told me. So I didn't know him and I, I wanted to know him. I became a parent and that changes you. And I, you know, speaking of big changes, like having a child, you know, kind of inspired me to learn more about who is this other person, you know, that was my parent that I don't know. And, you know, unfortunately he wasn't really happy with that and it's caused some tension. My (laughs) mother-in-law 
for lack of a better word, she thinks I'm the spawn of Satan. I think that she considers me quite evil, in fact, because she's very conservative Catholic woman. And because I do this for a living, regardless of the fact that her son fully supports what I do, and it's always been something that my husband and I have agreed on, she still thinks that I'm a horrible person. So we actually have no contact with her whatsoever, which is devastating. Um, I actually have two children. So both my son and my daughter have no contact with um, their grandmother because of what I do for a living, even though it provides her grandchildren with a really good quality of life. And in fact, my children both know what I do for a living and it's never been a secret. (laughs) That was my next question was at what point (laughs) did you plan to share with them? But it sounds like they already know they're relatively young. Can you describe a little bit about the dynamic there? So my husband and I are both um, very realistic individuals both from his job and then also the work that I've done. I've done also very normal jobs. And we both agreed that we should be very open with our children, just about life in general. We were atheists. We're very science-focused people. Our children weren't ever told about Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. And, you know, when a pet dies... Well, they're no longer in pain and we'll put them in in the ground so that they can grow and continue the circle of life. Like our kids have always just been very aware of life. And I think my husband and I both grew up in conservative religious homes. We both had the fear of God instilled in us and we wanted our kids to not feel like they were being oppressed in that way. So with both of our children, everything that we do with both of our jobs and our lives have been very open. And I've had stripper poles in my house since my daughter was born. And my children are, you know, witnessing explicit things. I mean, of course, that would never happen. But they know that when I go to work, that I dance naked, and I get paid money for it. And Um, My daughter is 14 and my son is eight. You know, they, like I said, they don't witness any of these things because that would be totally inappropriate and and illegal. (laughs) Sounds like a very honest relationship. Yes. And I, you know, my daughter, I want her to feel empowered to do anything that she wants to do in her life because one of the things that my mother did, even though it was very hypocritical of her to be married so many times and using men the way she did, she instilled a fear of God in me that I I literally felt that God was watching every movement that I made. I, I didn't even lose my virginity until I met my husband. In fact, I married him because I felt like if I didn't, I was living in sin. <laughs> but I also wanted, I wanted a man that was going to take care of me and be my forever because my mom was just recycling men and using them. And I didn't want to be that person. It sounds like you met somebody who was very, really special and connected to. Oh my God. Yes. In some ways that are unique in some ways. He, he is incredible. I mean, for one, there's really not a lot of men that can tolerate a significant other who does, you know, and I, I consider it sex work because it's being intimate with someone and it's it's very 
sexually charged what I do. And the fact that he can see it from a business perspective and also that he trusts me as his wife to be in that way with other men. I just, I respect him so much for doing that. And I also appreciate that he recognizes that I'm a hypersexual person and I really enjoy, you know, entertaining men in that way and being sort of that sexual goddess and dancing on the pole. And I love the attention that I get from other men. Does it mean that I want to be in a relationship with them or that I love them? No. And he, he sees that and he supports that because he sees the positive that I get from it and the compensation too. I, I'd be lying if I said that he didn't enjoy the financial benefits from it as well, because I'm not college educated. And, you know, if I was to go out and work in another industry, I would literally make no money. (laughs) I think what's really fascinating to me about your story is how positive it is. I don't think that because of the cliches and the way they permeate society, I don't think people expect that. I love that. You mentioned a few times that, you know, you make eye contact with somebody, you feel like they're interested in a conversation. How does that conversation go? I mean, is that a business-like <laughs> conversation or are they, they talking to you about, you know, their day? <laughs> you know, it's, you don't want to have a business conversation because what most, and I, I hate to say men, because there's plenty of women that frequent these establishments as well, but most men are my clientele and they want to connect. So it's it's like you're going on a date, I guess is the best way to explain it. And they want to feel special. So my plan is to go in and ask them about themselves. People love to talk about themselves. They love to tell you about their lives. And so I act interested in whatever they have to say. And I ask questions and I make them feel like I want to know them. And I think that in and of itself, you know, makes them really happy because A lot of times they're just feeling depressed or sad, whether it be in their relationship or lack of a relationship with a beautiful woman. They just want to feel special and and to have that conversation. And yeah, it can be about their day. It can be about what they did with their kids. I ask questions. I guess that are leading questions like, you know, what what did you do today? How's your day been going? Oh, was that fun? You know, and I I get to know them. And in fact, I have people that come back to see me. And that's where the most money is made is when I can create a relationship that's like, it's almost like a fantasy life for them. They come to see me and I talk about the things in their life that maybe their their wife doesn't want to hear about. I have one customer that is a singer and that's his passion, but it has literally nothing to do with his wife and she has no interest in talking about that. So, you know, I, I actually take notes. I have a file (laughs) on some of my regular clientele about, you know, things that they may have told me so that I know when I see them again, I'm going to ask them specifically about something that I know that they were going to be doing. And that particular person will have an event coming up and they were going to sing a certain song that they were working on. And I'll ask them about that song and how it went. And I actually do research on some of the people that I meet and that can create sort of a clientele that I can also count on as, as a regular source of income. (laughs) So this sounds a little bit like customer relationship marketing, the term that we hear. Um, Is that really what you're doing? Yes. And there's, you know, some people that 
have certain fantasies that maybe their significant other has no interest in. You know, they want to see a certain part of my anatomy or, you know, and people can touch you, not like sexually, but, you know, just even like holding hands with somebody, like maybe that's something that they really want to do. And those are things that I can do for them that maybe they don't get to have. So, you know, and I I take mental notes of that. I have certain people that I know that they like to talk about certain things. Some people like to talk about explicit sexual things. I mean, there's a lot of you know, the stereotype kink stuff that goes on, you know, I have conversations about dominatrix stuff, submissive stuff, bondage stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of conversations to be had. And I just try to take little bits of what they say and just continue on with whatever they're throwing at me. Mm -hmm. And if they're quiet, but I think that maybe they just want to hear me talk about anything, (laughs) it can be as simple as, you know, Literally, what did you do today? Yeah, well, they just want to have a conversation you... with a beautiful woman who's yes, who yes. they are the center of your attention in that moment, in that yeah, you know, in that brief and that's, time. I think as I've gotten older, I've learned and, and come to appreciate what that means to people because most of the people that are coming there are craving intimacy. It's not just you can't just be a beautiful woman and walk in there and have people throw money at you. You have to have the ability to talk to someone and make them feel comfortable and, you know, also use your sexuality to just make it an experience. And fortunately I benefit from it as well. And I think that I found something that is mutually beneficial. And I think that my clients, especially my regular clients, they know that I enjoy it as much as they do. And that's why they come back because I'm just as, I want to say like sexually charged as they are, because it's real. I'm not there you know, just showing the goods because I need to pay some bills. I'm there because I want to be, and I, I enjoy the art of seduction, it, you know, and they enjoy watching it. So it's really fun for me. And it, it fulfills a piece of me that, you know, I probably will never have any other way to express that because I am just literally a married mother of two kids. And, you know, my life is actually pretty vanilla otherwise. What do you think the future is for you? Oh, God. You know, that's and talking about change. So, you know, big change, becoming a dancer, realizing all of this about myself and coming into this sort of like sexual goddess I like to see myself as sometimes, you know, my next big change is going to be figuring out, you know, what happens when I no longer make money doing this because there's obviously a shelf life. It seems like there should be some opportunity though, to have influence over the community, whether it's through training or, you know, I don't know how, how it would play out, but it seems as though there should be a role because of all of this positive experience that you have to share. Yeah. And I, I found a lot of satisfaction just sort of guiding other younger girls and helping them sort of navigate the challenges. I mean, it's really hard when you first start out. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was very difficult to learn sort of the art form that is being an entertainer and an entertainer that makes a living. There's a lot of girls that do it and they just, they don't make money and they end up falling into the stereotype with drugs and prostitution and other things. And so I have really enjoyed 
kind of mentoring other girls do gravitate to me. I have a lot of girls that are constantly like, wow, how do you do, you know, that guy just bought an hour from you. How did you do that? Like they want to know. And so, you know, there's maybe something there in the future where I can kind of mentor other women. I do consider myself an artist though. And I'm, I'm now starting to collaborate with someone who also has a similar artistic vision for like more photography and capturing that seductiveness and that dancing like on film. And I'm going to try to start making content that's just, you know, something that I can document and maybe use later on. I'm so excited like for, you know, the the near future, some of the projects that I'm working on. um, I'm just, I'm really happy. I, I, that's all I can say. Talk to me about being a sushi model. (laughs) Oh my God. I've done so many crazy things like that. That was just one of many. So yeah, when I started dancing, all of a sudden I had all these crazy opportunities to do stuff that was like way out of the norm. You know, I met a chef that wanted to display his sushi on a naked body. There's a name for it. It's called Neo Taimori. It's a little controversial, but people do it. He hired me. I think I made like $200 to lay on a table. He made a special design that would cover my body in a certain way. And actually that led to me doing some private events for people that just wanted to have that at a party and that led to some stuff with Playboy and I went to the Playboy mansion and did some parties. I mean, that partying at the mansion was really cool. I mean, legit going in the grotto. It was very surreal. You know, I think back on that time and it was, I still get chills thinking about it, you know, and I'm glad I did it. I've done some really interesting photo shoots, nothing super explicit. I've never done like penthouse, like hardcore. I got to be a body double for I'm not going to say her name, but a major celebrity didn't want to get naked in the shower. And I totally was cool with that. So I got paid like $500 to take a shower in front of a full film crew for a pretty well-known movie. Yeah, I've, I've done some really cool stuff. I suddenly became confident in myself as, as a woman. And I felt like I could do those things. And it was, it was exhilarating. And I love it. I'm wondering in closing, what advice you have for women who are thinking about making this change and, and trying this out? <laughs> well, it's, it's not for everyone. You know, I think I was really fortunate, the path that I followed and doing it kind of slowly. And as, as an older woman, because if you danced, you know, at a young age, it could screw up a potential career for you and you don't want that hanging over your head. So, you know, if you're, 20 something and you just feel like maybe there's something that you're missing and you want to try it I say go for it I would think about your family think about your significant other because that could be the biggest hurdle is not having a support system I know that I couldn't do it alone and having a loving husband to come home to when maybe I don't have a good day or someone that said something that really scared me or whatever you know, I have, I have someone to fall back on. I have health insurance. I have a lot of perks that, you know, if you were to try to do it totally on your own, it's really tough. So advice being, I think that you should follow your dream. If you feel like that would fulfill something in you, or even just buy a pole and have it in your house and just dance naked on your own and feel good about yourself. Just do it. It, it did a lot for me. Just, just doing that. 
I'd love to help other women feel the power that I feel with my sexuality, whether it's being, maybe I could help with boudoir photos or facilitate as a stylist, helping someone else feel that way, because that's something that I'm so grateful that I've made that change to become a dancer, because I feel so confident in myself and my sexuality that it's sad to me that other women can't feel that way. And I know many, some of them are dancers and they're so self-conscious and they're so unsure of themselves. They're so beautiful. And I wish that they could just feel all of it. And it would be cool to help play a part in that. Thank you for joining us today on Digging Deep, True Stories of Big Change. I'm your host, Kelly Styring, founder and principal researcher from Insight Farm. At Insight Farm, we help companies make their products better through conversation and connection with consumers, often told as stories like the one you've heard today. If you'd like us to help you with consumer research, or if you'd like to participate in this podcast and tell your story, reach out at www.insightfarm.com. We look forward to the conversation.